Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health and mindset, inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. Maybe it's because I'm an absolute foodie or just an out-and-out geek, but I love talking about our next topic, which is addictive foods and that insane relationship we have with foods and flavor and what exactly is going on here, especially in the spirit of us trying to control our body weight and manage our dieting. How do we do that with less hunger and less hunger? So in this two-part discussion, we talk about drug-like foods. So what and how do foods represent themselves like drugs, both in terms of our reaction to them and what's going on neurologically and chemically? So we dig into exactly why certain foods are absolutely addictive in nature through cravings, enjoyment in the moment, as well as withdrawals. We talk about engineered foods and how that's really just exacerbated the problem and created a twisted reality between flavor and enjoyment and lack of nutrition. We speak about the various flavor types you can expect from food and how engineers leverage those to create the bliss point, the foods that we want to have more of. And then we talk about what are the most common addictive foods in modern society. We've got six categories. We talk through what those are, as well as what's going on chemically and what's going on within the foods, as well as within our bodies that are driving that really strong association, hijacking and addictive-like relationship. And then in the second part, we get into things like what is hanger and how is it created, as well as, and most importantly, the rehab plan of dealing with your addiction, your food addictions. And then we finish on understanding how to supplement that overall plan with some specific food recommendations to not just talk about elimination, but instead replacing addictive foods with other foods that can create a similar feel-good factor, a similar, similar sense of fullness, and in the long term, greater satisfaction and much better wellness. We hope you enjoyed this episode, guys, and we'll get to speak with you in the Facebook community if you've got any questions whatsoever. Adaptation. Actually, hummus, for some reason, for me, is one of those foods that I can't tell whether I'm... I almost feel like I'm addicted to it because I want hummus with everything. Every meal, I'm like, where's that hummus? But I don't know whether that's the texture or what, or if it's I, actually I feel what's the same way, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It's one of those... I don't know. It's just so Moorish, isn't it? I, yeah. I would, I would happily have hummus with fucking hell with things it doesn't even go with. Yeah, it's just yeah, one yeah. of those. I, I don't know because it, it, there's nothing bad in it. It's chickpeas and yeah. it's um, um, tahini. Yeah, and it's olive oil, a little bit of lemon, a little bit of garlic. Yeah. So there's nothing in it which is quote unquote addictive, but it fucking is, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I probably get through a tub a day. Really? Wow. Yeah. Fucking like, hell. I mean, with Lisa's help. Okay. A little, <laughs> a, like a little bit. She'll just have like a little bit of dinner. Whereas I'll You're have it with it. breakfast. I'll have it lunch and I'll have it dinner. That's like, a good I way just, for you to get your calories in as well. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I'm trying to get my calories in, but I just... Don't go I for don't the know. light stuff. Go for the... Yeah. Oh, I love it though. I love it. It's just so Beautiful. nice. But So you just told me, and I, I want, 
need people to hear this. <laughs> you said with the hummus that you have, yeah, you dip cheese in it. Yeah, cut off a bit of cheese and, and cheddar oh, so cheese. Talk, talk, talk me through this process. So you're having dinner. Yeah, you having dinner? No, no. This no. would be like a snack. So if I if I want something like I, I always go to hummus for a snack, and I will I don't know I might cut up a carrot and dip that in. I will sometimes cut cheese and put that in it. Like a bit of cheddar. Just, like you grab yeah, a bit yeah. of cheddar cheese. Just a little bit of cheddar. And dunk it cheddar I thought that was a normal cheddar thing. With hummus. No, man. So you, you don't have, I don't know. Just Maybe to me, it is it normal, like... but it's definitely not normal in in the heritage <laughs> of hummus. Yeah. I don't think no, you know, you don't cheddar think they cheese did it, and hummus. They did that in Turkey. Or <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the Middle <laughs> Easterns yeah. do that. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I so don't know. cheese is a thing for you, right? Yeah. Cheese for me is, I mean, with hummus, I, I think it's just the texture and the flavor and things like that. But with cheese, I do feel almost like I have this craving that I can't control, um, like an addiction to it. Because I'm just like, if I think about it, that's it. I, I, I want it. Like, And it's hard to switch myself off from wanting it after I thought about it. Mm. So I, I kind of have to have this conversation in my head and be like, you know, you know, I don't need it, and, and then I end up going. Mm, I'll just have a little bit, and then I'll go to the fridge and cut a little bit off. And I don't know. I just love cutting a bit of cheese off and having it. But yeah, I, you know what? I think I definitely had a period of that in my life yeah. where it was a it was an easy go to thing. Yeah, um, it's one of those things where you ha the more you have it, the more you want it. Yeah, it's a little bit like sugar. That's what I find. If I don't have it, I don't miss it. If I'm not, especially if it's not melted in my environment. cheese, melted cheese no, is like see, a different, different like vibe altogether. Yeah, I don't. So Lisa's like that. She, if it's melted, she's like, oh god, I love it. Like, but I find that the flavour disappears when it's melted. The texture's nice, but the flavour's gone for me. Doesn't get, it, it loses some of its strength. Yeah. So yeah. whenever we do, if I I like putting cheese on like an omelette, or I might add it to my scrambled eggs, or I'll add it to like you know when you get check potato. Scrambled eggs. Yeah, I don't know. I just love having that like, flavor in there. I'm a bit odd enough. But I'm sure there's someone out that there must, that does that, this. The texture must go a bit odd. Does it get like a little... It well, must I, get pretty I, stodgy, no? I cut like little squares, little like tiny little chunks, okay. little squares, and then I chuck it in. But I have to chuck it in at the end okay. when it's not cooking so that it so doesn't So it still melt remains some of it. Yeah. It still holds together. It just gets a little softer. Yeah, so it still tastes like, to me cheddar cheese yeah because if, if you melt that all the way throughout it tastes a bit weird i'm sure the scramble yeah, would go a bit off it goes a bit gooey and doesn't have that strong potent taste that i like okay but that's that's just yeah me i mean i used to love i actually thinking about like cheese i used to love 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 um cheese toasties i don't know if that's oh, yeah, universally yeah. known of what as they as are but that's the, the breville maker right yeah two bits of bread you butter the outside and the inside yeah you put cheese, sometimes ham, maybe tomatoes, or chicken, and then you or close yeah. it up, and it creates, it creates. Um, I know most people know what it is, but it basically presses the two bits of bread together. Yeah, keep it in there for a few minutes until the light goes and off. It melts the cheese. The cheese goes burning hot, like it literally, it's like lava. Yeah, and the outside goes really crispy, and the bits that are pressed super tight in these triangles—they're almost like rock hard, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You crack it into two triangles, and you just Oh man, that for me was like yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to always go. My, that guilt, used to be my, my lunch. guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, that was my lunch because it's just such an easy lunch to do. It tastes so good. And you've got to butter the outsides, right? You had to butter the outsides. Yeah, to make it crispy. To, yeah, yeah. yeah fry, I remember that. Fry so bread. my daughter is addicted to cheese as well. Okay. She, my my eldest daughter was a very fussy eater, mm -hmm. 
as a kid. We struggled to give her anything. And she kind of gravitated towards cheese and bread. Yeah. So anything crispy, bready, and or cheese. So basically beige, beige, beige food. Flavors. She wouldn't eat anything else. No meats, no anything else. Well, so she has she got a sweet tooth or is that not? I mean, she, no, she was more, she, she has everything now. But yeah. as a kid growing up, like Pombe. Have you yeah. ever had Pombe? Yeah. 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 Pombe. I have a crisp. Salty, aren't they? Like lots of bread. She was like addicted to bread and addicted to cheese. And I'm talking mm-hmm. addicted. Every day, she still has this, and we're trying to wean her off. Baby Bell every single day. Oh yeah, Baby Bell. I know the the red ones. Yeah, the proper ones, not so much the what red are the purple ones. ones. I've seen them. It's, it's different kind of cheese. It's okay. not as good, but she is bang on it. Yeah, and we've had to ration it now. Yeah. So instead of like every day, it's only three days a week. You choose which days. And if you're having a baby bell, you're not having a dessert. Mm. So now she's starting to choose dessert over baby bell. Now I'm like, yes. And we're saying, well, if you're going to have cheese, have a bit of proper cheese like cheddar. Mm-hmm. Maybe have it with some grapes. Like this rubbery shit. It tastes horrible. Mm. But anyway, she's addicted to to cheese. Yeah. So we've had to try and manage her relationship with bread. And cheese because it was getting out of hand. Like she'll easily happily have a cheese sandwich every day. She'd happily have that for dinner. She would happily have it for breakfast. Yeah. It's like, and there's not enough nutrients in there. There's not enough diversity, mm-hmm. and they are addictive foods. So mm-hmm. we've really had to control that. But what about you with like cheese sandwiches? Are they a big part of your life? No, but I've. I mean, I've never been a huge. Uh, fan of bread i mean I, I do love bread and when i go away i'll have it but i've never really had that much in the way of like sandwiches and baguettes and things like that so i've usually eaten cheese on its own or added it Just to my straight. eggs and stuff yeah i mean i've had <laughs> I, actually to be fair when when you go on like a picnic and someone when you're younger your mum would bring out like a cheese and tomato sandwich oh they, they're pretty good yeah but it's always been mature cheddar for me like oh you have to go strong strong like i i I like halloumi, but it's a bit bland oh, for me. It's nice and rubbery, but it's... I, it's you just need not, the strength yeah, of mature. I need this. I, I love that intense flavour. What, what about Christmas time cheese boards? Are you... you oh, yeah, yeah. Your happy yeah. days. I could demolish like a whole board of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> With the chutneys and the onion yeah. chutney oh, and the uh, cranberry sauce and yeah. stuff. You go all over yeah, that. Yeah, and then we have the grapes and the, yeah. the crackers, crackers and all of that. Yeah, It is I, good fun, I go all out. Oh, I love it. <laughs> but it's just... It, it's weird. It is one of those foods that I'm just... I, It just gets me. I just can't... Um, limit how much i have when i do have it i'm like i'll just add a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more and for you it's a good thing because it's very calorie dense yeah. so again for you with a you know a desire to try and get more calories in than your body naturally lets you have you know yeah. in, in order to try and get in a surplus yeah having cheese in your diet is going to support that downside of downsides of cheese are obviously the source of the cheese yeah you know you know cows typically aren't reared in the most ethical ways and they aren't necessarily reared um with nutrition in mind right with antibiotics Mm. and being fed corn and soy and in a cramped condition so and then it's pasteurized which takes some of the nutrients away yeah and it's usually concocted in a massive cocktail drum of like thousands of you know like when you think about the the dairy industry Mm. some parts of the world it's from 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 cow to mouth right like yeah, it yeah. literally is 
unprocessed for yeah. the most part. But for the majority of the cheeses that we get that are cheap and easily accessible Quite and in, 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 void, in they, the yeah. processed packaging, unfortunately, they're not the best. No. And if you go crazy on those, um, and this is really going to be the topic of today, right? There are foods that are known to be addictive. Mm-hmm. Cheese is absolutely in one of the in, yeah. in that list. I don't think cheese in its own right is terrible for you mm-hmm. as a <clears throat> from a nutritional and from a kind of disease perspective. Yeah, but it is addictive. Yeah, and the source of the cheese, I think, is the thing that you should focus on. Yeah, right. If you could source, considering you enjoy it so much, if you could source cheese that comes from local farms yeah and you know has minimal processing and that the you know the cows are not you know given antibiotics not you know fed to get as big as possible yeah and therefore yeah, it's yeah. more natural when they're reared off of grass mm. versus the crap they're fed yeah. i think you just get a better nutritional valuable oh, definitely cheese. yeah yeah, yeah. But it requires a little bit more effort, doesn't it? Yeah, and I'm surprised you don't see more butchers selling cheese because I would have thought that would be quite a, a good market to to go into for cheese. It'd be quite good to go into your local butchers and be able to buy because I, I I shop in my local butchers just to get like local meat. Um, be quite good to go in there and get some cheese that was that was made locally as well. But they don't do that. But normally. no, so I usually get it from main supermarket. Yeah, so. and you can definitely get grades of better. Yeah cheese right yeah yeah definitely. and supermarkets do try and have some like ethical locally sourced arrangements so yep. it's easier for them to buy products that are local if they are mm-hmm. locally produced but for the most part yeah you know your value yeah. cheeses are probably not so great for no. you Adaptation. so the topic of today Bryn, um is about addictive drug-like foods yeah and the reason why i wanted to talk about this is the more and more dialogue I have with people that want to lose weight, um, either through my education or just general intuition, I think most people know what they should do. Yeah. People, you know, usually put it together quite quickly that they're probably just eating too much food and I probably just need to have less. And maybe there's certain foods that I need to um, limit or control. Mm-hmm. And some of their rationale might be valid or invalid. They might think, I've just got to have no carbs. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily a valid argument. They might just think, I just need to have low fat. Yeah, That's not necessarily a valid argument. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, people get the idea they probably have to have less calories. Yeah. The problem I'm seeing is when I'm having the discussion and letting people just kind of chat, Yeah, they talk about their... They're, they're, they're kind of like um, their kryptonite. They yeah. talk about their crutch, <clears throat> the things that are their vice, the yeah. things that are holding them back. And it's always the same things. It's always what we're now going to list as the addictive drug-like foods. Mm-hmm. And that's a bold statement for me to say drug-like foods. But think about it for a second. Food is a substance. Mm-hmm. And we talk about substance abuse, right? Cocaine, heroin, yeah. you know, nicotine, that kind of thing. And we talk about how those substances that have chemicals in there drive an addictive reward <clears throat> system in our body that we yearn to have more and more of those. Yeah. And then we continue to amplify the demand to get the same stimulus. And we have withdrawal symptoms if we don't have them. And there's that draw 
to have them feed, be part of our lives. And it's a, it's a decision that hijacks our logical, rational yeah. thinking. That's what you think about when you think of alcoholism or people being addicted to coke. Yeah. How is that different to someone who says, who has an adverse reaction when I say, limit your, they have no more bread. Like, bread for me is probably the number one because I know yeah. that reaction. You see that reaction. If I say yeah, to someone, yeah. no more bread, it'll be like, it'll be like I'm, I'm asking them to cut off their fucking right arm. Well, that, that's the thing. When when you speak to someone and they're looking to lose weight, nutrition is they're so much more defensive over their nutrition, their eating habits, over training. Over training, they're usually quite open to changing the habits and and, and working on getting fitter and stronger. And they're like, you know, I'm just going to put myself through a hard workout. But when you when you speak to them about nutrition, they kind of get a bit defensive. Yeah, because it's not just about changing the habits. It's now about taking away their coping mechanism, their their addictions and their, their you know, for food. And they kind of clam up and get put a bit of a barrier up because it's and like you're trying to take a toy away from habits, a baby, right? isn't it? Like if, you, if you've lived a life of 40 years where you have a habit where um, bread, for example, features every breakfast. Yeah. And it's a typical lunch sandwich thing that you might have. And if you go to a restaurant, you have copious amounts of bread with like yeah. table bread and stuff. Like for me to say, have no more of that, you quickly start processing that in terms of mm-hmm. those situations yeah, and yeah. you can't see an alternative. Yeah. But let's be clear. If I asked a 20 a day smoker, cigarette mm-hmm. smoker, to just go cold turkey on no more fags, I think they would feel the same way. It's like, yeah. I can't imagine me being okay with that. Not having that. So yeah. we're not doing it. Yeah. And I think we should acknowledge and start to have some dialogue that whilst I don't want to create excuses, willpower, determination, a plan is really what it takes. Let's not, let's not um, remove all the emotion and all the mental stress that comes with a diet. And there is a mental stress because if a food is addictive and it's got a chemical pull on you that you don't even realize it has, yeah. just the idea of abstaining or massively reducing certain things is going to have, as you say, people clam up mm-hmm. and look for the door because it's just too yeah. difficult. That for me is an addiction. And yeah. we should acknowledge that because if you can manage people's calories and control and have a healthy relationship of seeing where they're addictive relationship yeah. to life so they can you know reverse some yeah. of those relationships that for me is more sustainable if pizza which is topped with cheese addictive substance yeah. <laughs> and wheat which is highly addictive yeah if that's your go-to and you must have that at least once or twice a week the idea of removing that you might say but i just enjoy it yeah. It's more than enjoyment, man. It is more than enjoyment. And I think we need to start seeing that for what it yeah, is. Yeah, I think when people start to realize, because a lot of people don't realize they are addicted to foods. And when you start to realize, oh, there is a bit of an addiction there. Like with, with me and cheese, I know there's a slight addiction you've there. Already, you've I've already acknowledged kind of that. Yeah. confessed. So you yeah. kind of go, well, if it's in the house, there, there's that addiction. I'm probably going to have it, right? If it's not in my environment, it's not in my house, I'm probably not going to have it. So if I'm going to die, if I'm going to What gonna about cut, if you didn't have any cheese in your house for a week? How would you feel about that? Fine. I With you? If, yeah, if it's not in, I think about it, but if it's not there, if it's not there, I I just won't have it. I'll just 
I'll just crack on as normal, and I and I will forget about it. But if it's there and I know it's there, I yeah, yeah. I just can't. There's this pool, <laughs> and I'm like, I just can't not eat it. It's too good. But that that's where I I understand and acknowledge that there is an addiction there to it um, beyond my emotions, where I can't. I can control myself. I'm not a crazy. No, no, and, and I'm I'm not maniac. trying to say everyone is in a you know late stage addictive relationship with food like the obvious signs of being an alcoholic heart or being a coke addict mm-hmm. is. Like I'm not saying it's at that extreme, but it is. Yeah. There is a form yeah. of addiction where you feel that your logical brain is mm-hmm. not calling the shots. Yeah, yeah. If you know something should be avoided or reduced, and you're not reducing it. I think you've got to question what's going on. And is it purely willpower and just you can't get your shit together mentally? Or is there something mm. that's hijacking your logical thinking yeah. that is kind of subconscious? Because logically you're like, I want to lose weight and I know I need to be in a deficit. But this this addiction overrides that and then you end up eating some, you know, it might be cake, it might be cheese, bread. You'll cave, and then, and you'll then, cave because yeah. that food's calling you. It's and then right you feel there guilty. and it's like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just have... I'll just have half a tiger bread. Yeah, and then you sit there going, what the fuck just happened? And, that, yeah. and I feel guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did I eat it? I didn't need it. Now I feel like crap. And it's realizing that that's because there's an overriding mechanism that's pulling you that way to to cave. So here's here's an interesting point. Um, we've, we've, we've kind of reached this point now where our new normal as it relates to food, is the food that we see in our supermarkets, the food that we have in our houses. Yeah. And that for us is like, we've always eaten this way. Mm. And I'm fine. So mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with the way food is presented to me today. The reality is, between 15, 70 years ago, there was a strong uh, strong cranking out of processed, engineered foods as scientists and marketers and food companies started to recognize um, that they could manipulate ingredients mm-hmm. and create new flavors, new flavors that had never been experienced before. Yeah. When you just think about, you know, go back a hundred years, the supermajority of the food we had was whole based, right? It wasn't really this idea of processed food, engineered food, scientifically crafted, putting in, um, been able to extract the flavor profile from a chemical and mm-hmm. place that on a, a, just this concoction of stuff that makes a new food. Yeah. This is a relatively new invention, yeah. 50 to 70 years. But it's now our new normal. So we look for our freezers, we look for our, our, our kitchen, we look for our fridge. And a lot of the foods have been created in exactly that way. They're yeah. created on, in you know factories, um, you know, mass produced concocted scientific formulas with synthetic products and artificial flavorings flavorings or even natural flavorings but you're bringing flavorings together to create a new taste a new thing yeah and it might be to replicate what nature's created you know like when you get those frubes you know those yogurt tubes which say they're like you know take strawberry flavored and they have zero strawberry in there yeah zero percent strawberry but they taste like strawberry that is what I mean by engineering. It's like tricking your body. And what has happened, and it's quite sad, really, is that we've evolved as humans um, to acknowledge, right? If you think about 200 years ago, we didn't have My Fitness, My Net Diary, or My Fitness Pal. We yeah. didn't know nutrients. We didn't know calories. 
we didn't know what nutrients were let alone what nutrients were within the food i'm eating i couldn't tell you all the micronutrients in a tomato yeah well no so we didn't have any of this knowledge we have today Mm -hmm. none at all and we also didn't have um unlimited amount of food unlimited choices today we have unlimited food unlimited choices and therefore people have loads of different diet types and diet habits they can go vegan they can go keto they can go paleo because everyone's got unlimited amount of food i can go and do whatever i want and be experimental with food in a way that serves me back then you didn't have the choice Mm. like you have what's available right and our bodies through millions of years have evolved to recognize nutrition calories calories are important for us because it means that we're going to have energy to survive Mm plus micronutrients, right? The things our body needs, we would recognize them through flavor. Mm-hmm. So flavor was a guide, like a label, to the nutritional profile of a food. Yeah. Hence the reason we have such a close link to flavor. Mm. Flavor and enjoyment of food is not an accident. It's supposed to be that visceral and that's so yeah. connected because we've got to have a strong pawn, a strong relationship yeah, with food. Yeah. Because food sense, right? keeps us alive. Yeah. You know, we don't. We, we not only do we keep alive, we have been able to thrive through our food choices yeah. through yeah. millions of years. Yeah. But over the last seventy years, we've really fucked with that, mm. and we fucked with that because we have spliced, we have separated flavor mm. from nutrition. Yeah. We've taken and extracted the flavor. We've created new flavors. And we've introduced it into a thing that no longer has a nutritional profile that that flavor would otherwise yeah. have. Yeah. So it's like taking the flavor of a tomato and taking all the nutrients out of it and just giving you the flavor. Yeah. That is what these highly engineered and processed foods are. It's like having sweeteners and your body is going, where's the sugar? Exactly. Where's the it, sugar? Exact- that tastes like that You don't have like the metabolic pathways yeah. to process this amorphous blob of ingredients yeah because the pro- the food the flavor is saying what it is so your, your, your body's saying okay it's this kind of flavor this is how this is good for me i'm yeah. going to enjoy it and this is how my body's going to use it and your body tries to use it and it's like well this isn't what i i expected yeah, yeah. this food isn't the yeah. flavor what the fuck do i do with it and that can lead to then further cravings because it's like i'm now prepared I still want to more use the sugar i want more of that i want more I of the flavor but the flavor isn't giving me the nutrition so keep yeah. giving me more of that flavor because if i keep having enough cheetos or doritos yeah. maybe i'll get the profile of the food that i thought it was yeah that is what's happening and that is part of the reason why the addiction with these foods occurs we don't often get addicted to broccoli mm. or leeks. No. Right? They're not bad foods. I love the taste of them, but I can't go and I have a couple of pounds worth of broccoli. I just can't do it. Yeah. Because your body's going, I know the flavor of nutritional broccoli. This tastes like nutritional broccoli. I'm getting all these micronutrients and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Okay, I've got enough now. Stop. Get a palate fatigue. I don't want any more. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, you put like a, a bread in front of me or a cake or a, don- a set of donuts, like, you know, Dunkin' not Dunkin' Donuts and Krispy Kremes, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a dozen of those. If I wanted to, I could probably go through almost all of those. Yeah, because the body's just so fucking confused, <laughs> and it's getting high calorie density, yeah. which your body will prefer. It's getting a cocktail of of, of things that it, it thinks are good for it. Yeah, and it has no on-off switch. Well, here's um here's a study that they did a, a while back with rats. 
and they gave the rats just uh, fat and they would eat the fat and they'd eat so much of it and then they would stop because they were full. And then they gave him some <clears throat> some carbohydrates and um, I can't remember what, what actual carbs they were, but they would eat the carbs and then get full. Their, their brain would signal, their, their leptin hormones will say, yeah. I'm done, I'm full. They would stop. Then what they did is put them together and combine them and the rats yes. wouldn't stop eating them and they were getting fatter and fatter and fatter because they were just over-consuming because their brain couldn't recognize this concoction of food that was coming in that was a perfect mix. And it was like they were giving them cream and ice cream Mate, and things like that because you're bang they've, on. They've, they've, you're bang on. they've gone, okay, how can we get people to want more of it? And they put... It's, it's almost like 50% fat, 50% sugar, you know, carbs and 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 that then becomes a concoction that your body can't quite process or recognize um, as it comes in together and then people end up over-consuming and wanting more. And for me as well, ice cream is one of those ones that just like is very Moorish. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on that in a second because yeah. that you you are 100% right and yeah. there's, there's science behind that yeah. and people get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to work out exactly how to do what you've just said. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. It's worth that. It, it, absolutely right you get people addicted to your products yeah bang you've got you've got it's hundreds mega. of millions of dollars coming in now for yeah. a product that people can't get enough of so in terms of flavor types i'm not really going to kind of go into into this but just so we understand right the different type of kind of flavor profiles that we expect to see from foods we've got yeah. either sweet um sour salty bitter and umami which is kind of the taste of meat soy sauce that kind of rich depth um it's it's a sense that there's going to be nutrients in there too mm -hmm. so all these flavor profiles they offer a benefit like we wouldn't eat too much sour stuff because sour typically would suggest that you know sour and bitter would suggest that yeah. probably this is maybe got not right some toxin in there yeah. or it's not something i should eat whereas if we have something sweet or salty or umami we're going to be all over it mm. So they, and I'll just bear this in mind as we have this discussion, sweet, salty, and umami are the f flavor profiles that food scientists and engineers try and yeah. bring into almost everything because if something's too bitter, you're not going to eat it. If something's yeah. too um, sour, yeah. you're not going to have too much of it, but it can be as sweet as you want. You can just keep going. Mm. Yeah. So then why don't, we, why don't we spend a little bit of time now talking about what are the most common addictive foods yeah um i've got six categories we've touched on a couple of them yeah. now so i'm not going to spend a ton because i, I then want to help you understand why they're addictive so top of the list for me is wheat-based product pasta bread um um pastries yeah these these so, are high calorie low nutrition super addictive and i'm going to explain why in a second second and i think we can all relate to this Definitely. is crisps so whether it be your walkers or your frito lays doritos or your doritos like doritos and pringles and cheetos though those for me they have done something very special there because they've created a product that you can't yeah. stop yeah and again i, I will help explain why that happens but at the highest level it's it's a cocktail of salt, sugar, and fat to create something yeah. called a bliss point. Third for me is then sweets. So yeah. sweets, biscuits, and cakes. Yeah. And we all know that they're addictive, right? You stick <laughs> stick a bun, you know, you stick some penny sweets in front of someone, 
or you put some biscuits, you know, you can go through a bunch of custard creams or, yeah. you know, ginger snaps or whatever it is. Like you can go through these without even realizing because, yeah. again, they've got this concoction of um, sugar and fat and yeah. you, you can't, you don't get the signal. But you notice how more out of balance it gets with sweets. It can be very sweet. And the more sweet it becomes, the less of it you can tolerate because yes. it is more sweet. No, 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 agreed, yeah. So this bliss point, um, if you read a book called Salt, Sugar, Fat by a guy called Tom Moss, it is absolutely fascinating. But and the so food scientists, mm -hmm. they <clears throat> their job is to create what is called the bliss point. And it's a cocktail. Sugar, fat, and without you realizing, salt. Yeah. And you have to blend these three things to make foods taste the way they do. So if you think of Kellogg's um, cornflakes, mm -hmm. if it wasn't for the salt and and the sugar, it would taste like cardboard. Yeah. And, you know, you know, when there's these kind of government objectives to reduce the salt, reduce the sugar, these big food companies, they struggle to meet these objectives because their foods taste like crap especially if they're highly processed. If yeah. you take the salt out of a highly processed food, it tastes and smells like shit. Mm. And this book talks you through a bunch of these really popular foods that taste lovely. You crank out, you, you know, you drop the salt. It's, it's inedible. Yeah. Inedible. Mm. Because you have to mask all these processed engineering fake ingredients with the salt and sugar to kind of make it taste proper. Fat has the 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 benefit of um mouthfeel so reason why people like fat is it gives you that nice mouthfeel that makes food taste moreish mm. yeah so it's the combination of that creaminess that mouthfeel saltiness kind of lights up your taste buds and sweet our bodies are designed to want to have as much sweet as possible because sweet indicates glucose glucose is yeah. the fuel for our mm -hmm. our body yeah bliss point is a big thing so sweets, biscuits, and cake. The next is cheese, right? So we've just spoken about, about that. High sugar drinks, high sugary drinks, soft drinks, and then lastly, refined sugars. And what I mean by refined sugars, we've kind of spoken about some of those, but generally refined sugar is hidden in almost every single processed, packaged yeah. ingredient. Yeah. And every non-whole food has some element of some kind of sugar or sugar der derivative to make it taste the way it does. But you found out recently, haven't you, when you were doing your your diet and you were looking through everything that you were eating, you were going to can't believe how much sugars and everything Mate, you were trying to cut down. It was almost impossible to have anything non-whole food yeah. and avoid sugar. It, there's a few things, but for the most part, you're screwed because it is in every yeah. single food. Even every little things food. like your jarred sauces that you wouldn't think of sugar in that. And there's loads, tons of sugar in there. Loads yeah. of sugar in tomato soup or tomato ketchup yeah. or all the sauces, even even the the powder sauces that make up, you know, the kind of kind of homemade sauces you mm -hmm. make. All of those have got loads of sugar. So what's going on? So these foods, wheat-based products, crisps, sweets, cheese, um, high sugar drinks and refined sugars, why? Do they pull, pull at us in a way which hijacks the system? Mm -hmm. So I've got a, f a few reasons why, and bring, feel free to kind of like stop me or ask any questions yeah. if that makes sense. The reason why wheat and cheese is such a strong pull and the combination 
cheeseburgers, mm-hmm. pizzas, yeah, sandwiches. That combine these two is a killer addictive combo. Why? What's going on? Both of which do something which is very drug-like. Both of these have chemicals that attach to your opioid receptors in your brain. Mm-hmm. Opioid. Sounds like opium, right? Opioid receptors are the receptors that things like cocaine and heroin attach to that make you feel good and want yeah. to continue feeling good. I think that comes with smoking as well. Am I right? Um, I don't know if you know. I'm not smoking, entirely sure. Yeah. But definitely definitely with those kind of substances, yeah. they attach to the opioid receptors. It's a feel-good mm-hmm. feeling. It kind of creates a sense of you don't, you don't care as much euphoria right think about if you've ever had those substances you don't care as much yeah you feel more confident you feel happy (laughs) kind of same thing happens when you have a load of carbs or something or like when you have loads of bread you life is good you don't worry as much (laughs) right it you can you can have emotional eating with with bread and cheese and it kind of helps you calm down right and it's because it's connecting to the opioid receptors unfortunately that that's a very addictive pathway Mm. the second thing that's the primary thing and the second thing is leaky gut. So when you have wheat, it's going to have gluten. Yeah. Gluten is a small protein um, that causes irritation of the gut lining, mm-hmm. can basically break down the single cell gut lining of your large intestine. That can create irritation, which through that inflammation of the gut, Mm-hmm. can basically open up and prise and create little kind of like cheesecloth type holes in your gut mm-hmm. where your gut is supposed to be porous but only let the things it wants yeah. into the bloodstream that it wants and it's a beautiful system that normally works when you have too much gluten like lots of gluten big when bread and pasta is a big part of your life you're going to create this inflammation it's going to open up these cheesecloth type holes and that allows foreign invaders, so food yeah. particles that haven't been fully digested or should never enter your bloodstream now can enter. Mm-hmm. And then that can create a cascade of inflammation in your body. Antibodies start elevating. You yeah. get autoimmune diseases from you know Alzheimer's to you know dementia to you know uh, diabetes to joint pain. Joint pain, absolutely. Yeah, yeah joint pain is is a biggie arthritis skin conditions skin conditions such as vitiligo and psoriasis as well as like hypothyroidism yeah all of these are being linked to a leaky gut syndrome Mm -hmm. and the primary culprit of leaky gut people are stating through evidence-based research is gluten yeah so and that and that can cause a cascade and addictive relationship as well so that's the first and most important the second part which we've already covered is bliss point and bliss point is this engineered mechanism. You don't get this in real foods. You can get it with real foods if you combine real foods. Yeah. Right? If you can combine butter yeah. with salt and some meat mm-hmm. and some chips, right? You yeah. you can create the bliss point in bringing yeah, some yeah. foods together and it just blows your mind. Mm. But when you're getting packaged foods that have been engineered at high volume, you are, they are trying to engineer the perfect combination of salt, sugar, fat, so your body just goes insane for it. It yeah. makes you feel great, makes you want more. Combined with the advertising, you are hook, line, and sinker. That now, the food is now part of your life. I suppose that's why when you go to like restaurants or you see recipes where they throw in 
some salt, some sugar. They throw that into oh, yeah. foods that aren't necessarily uh, processed. And then they'll throw the salt and the sugar in just to bring that balance and make you want more and make you um, more ish. Absolutely. So, and, and it's so surprising. There's certain foods you think don't have salt and they have mm-hmm. tons of salt, such as cornflakes. Yeah. They don't taste salty, but without the salt, they would taste like shit. And there's loads of foods you don't think are sugary, mm-hmm. but they're full of sugar, such yeah. as tomato soup. If you took the sugar out of tomato soup, it would taste awful. Yeah. And then, as you say, when you go to restaurants, salt and sugar will go into a tomato sauce, yeah. like a like a, a pasta sauce, because it just brings the flavors out. Yeah. And when you're working with natural flavors, it's one thing. When you're working in an engineered mm-hmm. format, processed food, yeah. this now creates a relationship you can't control. And you'll see it with things like that labeled low fat. If they take the fat out of, say, yogurt, they're then going to have to up either the sweeteners or the sugars in it. In exactly. Because yes, it, it does. It tastes it. like like cardboard. It tastes like crap otherwise. So you have to do that. Yes. And that's something that I, I say to people, if you need to cut your calories, yes, you may want to go low fat because it is low calories, but also be aware that it could have some sort of addictive properties to it because you've now got loads of sugars you or sweeteners in there. You are so bang on. Yeah. So when you lower the fat in, say, like a yogurt, yeah. You have to increase the sugar. Yeah. So when, like, when you go for a Muller Light, for example, that's exactly what they've done. They've used like skimmed milk, or whatever it is, to create the, the base. Yeah. And they've just dumped a load of, load of sugars or artificial sweeteners to balance out and create that bliss point, that that's Moorish right. desire. Yeah. If you just had low fat and they didn't compensate by adding more salt and sugar, mm-hmm. you wouldn't eat their products. They yeah. wouldn't sell them. So all these government uh, and kind of like regulatory demands for lower fat products. Yeah these companies will go out of business. So just understand that they are playing with those three ingredients to make sure that flavor wants you wanting more all the time. The next is something called vanishing caloric density. And basically what this means is, easiest explanation of this would be probably like um, Watsits or Cheetos. Mm -hmm. It's this concept of your body that doesn't recognize the volume that it's consumed. Mm -hmm. It melts in your mouth and where's the food gone like where's the food yeah yeah so you know you can go crazy on what's it's like i remember when i was a kid like if i was hungry my mum wasn't around and we had like a 10 pack of what's it's in in downstairs in the kitchen if i'm watching myself and i'm hungry and i'm not actually eating real food i could go through six or seven bags <laughs> of that and i still don't feel full and i'm like let's just have another one i'll just yeah, have yeah. another one i'm i'm hoping if i have enough i'm gonna get full get, get full and it yeah. doesn't fucking happen yeah yeah pringles same thing like it's foods which are designed to either melt in the mouth or not send the signal to your gut that yeah. you've had volume. Yeah. And you don't actually have that volume in there. But then if you eat enough, you eventually have the volume and then you're sick. But it's too late by then because you can just overeat. Exactly. Which is very hard to do. So and like ice cream has this to an extent as well. You don't get yeah. the volume sense. You can you can go crazy on that. But at some point you you get like you get palate fatigue with ice cream. So if yeah. you can mix it with something which is slightly less sweet. Now you can go on forever. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I the amount of times when I don't eat ice cream very often at all now because it for me is a very high palatable food. But back in the day, I, again, it's kind of like cheese for me. Ice cream was very addictive, and I would I would keep eating, keep eating, keep eating. And I, I'll, I'll get to the point where I don't get full. I get sick. Yes, because I've, I've, I've I, it's not you're filling fatigued me up. and it's, now longer like oh I can't yeah, handle this just sweet overload. anymore. Yeah. Yes. But so, it, as you say, it's not filling you up. So that's exactly what we're talking about with uh, vanishing sure. caloric density. And to think about that, just think about what's it's because they have the perfect 
the perfect are, yeah, thing yeah. for describing that. <laughs> the next is uh, generally dopamine. Yeah, dopamine is a chemical, and it's a it's a reward seeking chemical. The objective with dopamine is to incentivize action, movement. So you'll find that people with um, uh, outs, uh, no, um, not Alzheimer's, um, people with depression and things like that, or? people with Parkinson's disease, for example, right, don't produce dopamine. Oh yeah, okay. because it's a it's a it's a voluntary movement yeah. chemical. It, it it helps motivate movement. Mm-hmm. Move what is movement? Movement is action. Yeah. So when we think about dopamine in the sense of food. Dopamine is highly re- related to anything which helps you seek out a reward, a familiar thing that gave you something good previously. Yeah. So if you have a piece of food, you enjoy it. That's now kind of like coded into your brain. The next time you smell or see or even think about that food, your body's going to be like, yeah, yeah, that was, a, that, that was good. You got calories from there. You got things I needed. Yeah. Go do that again. You get a flood of dopamine and now all of a sudden your logic gets hijacked by your necessity your body's now just gone give me more of that yeah you you know you go into a you go into a starbucks and there's this nice fluffy blueberry muffin and your body you might have not been hungry but you've walked in there and you've seen it and all the sugary crusty things on the top you know i'll go on in hit me hit me (laughs) yeah (laughs) or like a donut and stuff like that right in front of you (laughs) exactly (laughs) and that that is a really really strong chemical hormonal response in your body that's wired to reward what your body thinks is something that gives value. Yeah. But what it's seeing, it's not seeing that a, a donut is by and large engineered and doesn't have the nutrients. What it's seeing is high caloric density. That's mm-hmm. good because once upon a time, we used to go through large periods of famine. Yeah. So if you can give me something high caloric density, good. If it's sweet, that's good. It means I can get energy immediately mm-hmm. so I can perform immediately. So yeah, so your body's going, those two things out of that food is really good. I want more of that. Yeah. And, so, and also, sorry, mate. So also you, you you see this quite often when people train or they'll do they'll do something that then they seek the reward after. So, oh, I've gone for a run. And then they seek this reward to so if you've um increased your cortisol levels, your stress hormone within the body, your body wants to now balance this out and now it seeks this dopamine release from somewhere as a reward so you've gone i've gone for a run great i can have a donut now and you see that quite often happening um where you're trying to balance out and seek this dopamine hit straight after Uh, i think that's that's fair and dopamine is also highly associated like high levels of dopamine associated with um other addictive qualities so definitely like consuming substances Mm -hmm. drug like uh, drugs as well as porn yeah uh, so there's a high association between high like even people thinking about porn right like like a young kid who's thinking about porn he'll have a huge dopamine hit like go do go yeah. do go yeah, yeah. go seek <laughs> keep watching <laughs> or or um gambling yeah again correlated with high do- dopamine hits but dopamine in its, its own right is not a bad thing no it you need dopamine to be able to act and follow through with an action list or yeah. a plan you know, if you can incentivize yourself through hormones to go perform the things you need to go do to advance your career or your business or the things you need to do, great. It's when dopamine is being triggered because it thinks you're going to get a reward from something. I yeah. In the moment when you had that 
cocaine, you felt great. So let's go do that again. That's your yeah. dopamine saying, go do it again. Mm-hmm. But you know, cocaine comes with a list of bad things too. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, that's not coded into your brain. Yeah. All it all it remembers was the good bit. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that's set up for a reason. It's a natural cause in the body. Like you said, it's not a bad thing. But you quite often see people that tend to be highly stressed or or just down in the dumps and just depressed usually want this dopamine hit and they usually want to balance it out and again like i said they end up seeking this reward system um but usually see people that are addicted to porn um to to fast food it's associated with people with addictive personalities exactly and and they're usually people that are highly maybe not managing their stress levels properly and you know all these these negative effects and then they seek the positive and unfortunately that the problem with like you know this addictive relationship with whatever it is you're addicted to Mm. is that you seek out the reward yeah. and then you typically feel like shit afterwards yeah 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 so you go you, you, you gorge on you know that that midnight kebab and then you feel like shit afterwards yeah you go and drink a load of drink because in the moment you want to feel good and you feel like shit afterwards you know you go and watch some porn and you yeah. feel dirty afterwards you know <laughs> what i mean there's the, it, it seeks reward but you forget yeah the the the, the downside the of that after you've yeah. had your fix, you typically don't feel so great. Yeah, I. Uh, so if I eat cake, for instance, I always try and remind myself, look, this is going to be a really short fix for me. Like, it's going to be a 30 second to a minute fix. Um, depends how quick then I, you I might have it. Be a yeah. bit frustrated with yourself. Yeah, afterwards. and I'll be like, oh, but how am I going to feel after? And that's one of the ways personally that I get over that hurdle is go. Yeah, it's that looks amazing. That's gonna taste so good, but it's gonna be great for a minute, and then and then I'm probably gonna have half an hour after that feeling bloated, or an hour after feeling like crap and feeling guilty. It's just not worth it. And you know, I'm not saying don't have sweets and ever. Sh- yeah, it's more about acknowledging if if you can feel good at eating that food, you yeah. can stay within your calorie budget. You, you're you're managing towards Didn't your body go weight it, goals, yeah. and you know you're not going to feel bad afterwards, like you're not going to have any regret, then you can do it knowing that you're in control. Yeah, It's when you feel that you're not in control and you know this is going to cause damage to your goals Mm -hmm. and it's going to put you back and potentially you fall off the wagon. Mm -hmm. That's when if you can use tricks like what you've said, which is like things just slightly further beyond the fix. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay, so there's dopamine. Um, Microbiome dysbiosis. Microbiome is the diverse collection of trillions of bacteria that live in your gut that make up a big part of who we are and how we're expressed from our mm-hmm. genes to our health status to how we digest food and so many other things emotions and everything so these the, the microbiome continues to be this new frontier of science that will I, I think direct much of our recommendations to how people live on a go forward basis you know eating foods and supporting a healthy diverse um good population of bacteria I think is going to be the ultimate guide towards whether you're going to be healthy or not. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when you are eating a lot of junk food, which has lots of flavor, but not lots of nutrition, lots of high sugar, and not lots of good other stuff, yeah, is you create dysbiosis, which is basically disorder. Mm-hmm. Overpopulation of bad bacteria, not enough good bacteria, things start going a bit skew with, you know, you're just think about it as tribes or yeah like a country and a diversity of people mm. you've got lots of one type of you know group of people and they might be 
you know, the gangsters. <laughs> yeah. But you haven't got the enough police and you haven't got enough good citizens. Yeah. Right. They're just generally good, helpful people. Yeah. You've kind of fed the gangsters. Yeah. And that kind of what hap- is what happens money. when you have too much sugary food. Yeah. So when you when you've got dysbiosis, it means you can quite often have a lot of yeast based bacteria, lots of candida, mm-hmm. and you they need sugar to survive. So part of your craving mechanism, we've spoken about the opioid receptors, another part of what drives craving is if the balance of your bacteria, the way that they are fed yeah. is through the foods that you don't want to eat anymore, then mm-hmm. you're fucked, right? So if you've got loads of candida, they can only survive off of simple sugars. Mm-hmm. So they and 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 they're not gonna want to die. Yeah. So they will send chemical messages to your body through your gut, through your enteric nervous system, through your bloodstream to drive you towards spiking dopamine to have the foods that they need so they don't die. Yeah. And this is really important because when we talk about how to rehab yourself, Mm -hmm. your microbiome, basically you want to kill off the stuff that feeds off the foods that doesn't serve you and promote the colonies that eat foods that do serve you. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And then the the last thing I just kind of wanted to mention here, uh, as in terms of what's going on, is the link that I spoke I spoke about around flavor and nutrition. So flavor and smell have been the two most important um, guides and labels towards nutrition. Mm-hmm. But we fucked with that system now by separating flavor from nutrition. Yeah. And what that means has caused two problems for us. The first problem is that engineered foods, their flavor profile continues to excite us and get us more attractive to their foods. But the balance of nutrition continues to get less and less. Mm -hmm. It's a bad place to be. But the second and um, perhaps surprising thing that's happened is that natural foods, so whole foods, and anything your vegetables that grow out of the ground and the meats that we eat, they're losing flavor. Mm-hmm. Think about, have you ever had a bland tomato? Oh, it just tastes like water. Yeah. Or or a cucumber that doesn't really taste of anything. Or mm-hmm. chicken that, you know, for a lot of people, chicken is really bland. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to do like loads of stuff to it to kind of like spruce it up. Or have you ever had a steak and a difference between a cheap steak that's just basically tastes like, like rubbery stuff. Yeah. Versus like an Arch- real, Ar- Ar- Argentinian real good steak. Yeah. Re- you know, all of a sudden it's like the flavor profile pops. You're like, what the fuck was that? I've just eaten. Mm. What's happening there? What's happening is that we are breeding vegetables and meats for volume and speed, produce as much as possible as quickly as possible. Yeah. Chickens in. Italy or, or parts of the Mediterranean takes 16 weeks to mature to a point that you'd eat them. Mm. We've now adapted the the, the kind of food or uh, livestock farming industry. Mm-hmm. So a chicken reaches maturity within six weeks. Yeah. That speed, mm. that need for speed has come at a cost of flavor. Mm-hmm. And flavor is a guide to nutrition and they have that the, yeah, scientists can and do measure that the nutritional nutritional profile of fruits, veggies, and meats are declining. Yeah, 
because of what we're the doing we're to breed them, yeah. and create volume. It's reverse evolution. Think mm-hmm. about it. Like the, the fittest survive, right? You know, the best thrive. Mm-hmm. And what's happened through through life is that the most nutritious, the most valuable foods have continued to prosper. We as a species have, you know, the survival of the fittest has created a, you know, a, a dominant species in this world. But we have not been breeding for flavor. Yeah. We have not been breeding for nutrition. We've been breeding for speed and volume. Not everywhere around the world, though, right? Places that have kept things more natural and more the way they've always been, yeah. normal still continue to produce tomatoes that make your mind pop, that have meats that just are crazy in flavor. Mm. You know, chicken can taste like, taste like something. Chicken. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> As like opposed chicken, yeah. to just bland cardboard yeah, yeah. stuff. And that's an important point to kind of note when, when we're thinking about what's going on is we do want to be limiting the engineered foods for all the reason we've just said, but we also want to be thinking about um, sourcing natural products. Yeah. Because if you if you can source natural products with a with a supply chain that gives you some comfort that the food's been looked after and been reared in a way which is normal, yeah, um, in you know soil in, in a nutrient dense soil and you know proper local farmers, the food's going to taste a lot better. Yeah. And if it tastes better, you are going to try and uh, reverse this imbalance where natural food tastes like shit and engineered food tastes amazing yeah hence the reason you don't want to have natural stuff because tomato tastes nothing in comparison to this sweet cookie yeah well if you had the best strawberries they taste amazing yeah and if you stopped having this engineered food you wouldn't be hijacked and the thing as well like the less of the engineered food that you're having the more sensitive your palate becomes to real food exactly and then if you get better quality food like you're saying it's going to taste even better because it's not going to be as bland um so if you eat loads of processed crap and it's high in sugar and salt it's going to taste amazing and then you go and eat an apple and it's like mm, it's, this, what's the point this yeah well I've, 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 had and I've been i've been there bro man yeah. I, I i've been there for so many years yeah where yeah just like fruits yes i know i should have them and yeah they're okay mm-hmm. nothing like my yeah, ice yeah. cream yeah Right or, you know, <clears throat> those veggies, the leeks, yeah, leeks are okay, but like, I'd rather have them in a pie yeah. with loads of cream and this, that, yeah. and other. And now I don't taste the leeks; I'm tasting everything else, yeah, which has been put in to make the t- make it taste good with all the pastry and all the fat and, and all, then, all the salt. I suppose you notice when you start eating better that suddenly these foods that were just bland, horrible foods are now actually tasting like they should and tasting quite nice. What? Yes, if, if you're getting I was, the quality. I was only having that conversation with Michelle, Michelle last night. Like, she said, she said to me, "Do you not feel that sometimes you crave good foods?" And okay, I just need some of this food. I said, "I haven't really paid attention to that, but I think it is happening." Mm. Like, I have a lot of leeks and a lot of broccoli now. Yeah, and if I don't have them for a couple of days, I'm like, "Where's my leeks, broccoli? We've got to <laughs> feed, fit this into into the you know the dinner." Because I think I've now you're grown. Not, you're not addicted to them, right? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, de- I've definitely, I'm definitely starting to get a really strong association yeah. to healthier products. Yeah. And I want them, and I need them because I, my body now knows it tastes good. Yeah. And the nutritional profile is great. And for example, leeks and broccoli are great for your microbiome. They feed your good bacteria. So I've got this chemical message saying yeah, yeah. give me more fucking leaks because yeah. it's a prebiotic and as, so i'm getting hijacked just like we're talking about now but luckily i'm getting hijacked with foods that 
uh, nutrient dense, low yeah. calorie, good for you. And the more I eat, the better they taste. It's like yeah. I haven't changed my my supplier of broccoli and leeks, but they're tasting better. And I think as well, when you know some, you know why it's good for you. You don't just know it's good for you. You know what what it's doing to your body. It definitely becomes more motivating to eat that food because you've got the I, psychic. Yeah, I've, well. I found yeah. that with um, so things like avocado. When I was younger, I didn't like avocados. There were certain foods I didn't like. And I knew they were good for me, but I didn't know what they could do for me. And then when I understood what they could do for me and, and why we should I eat them. Added I started, motivation, Yeah, right? I started eating it and going, this is okay, this is okay, yeah. And then I started to enjoy it more because I was like, actually, I'm feeling better. I know what it's doing to my body. And then actually, they've come some of my favorite foods. And I think they say with kids, it, I can't remember the number exactly, but it's something like kids have got to try foods at least 15 times yeah. before you can declare they don't like it. And most of the time they start off saying they don't like it. Yeah. So as a parent, you really have to persevere with diversity. Yeah. And we've done that to the point now. Our kids eat avocado. I think they eat avocado until a year ago. Yeah. yeah. My kids love avocado now. They love sweet potato. Didn't have sweet potato until like three years ago. Yeah. Um, they love olives. Mm-hmm. Like pesto. Um, you know, we go through the list of foods that I haven't tried for most yeah, yeah. of my life. And I didn't like them. And my kids love these foods because they're weird. It's just we've given it to them enough times. We've persevered through maybe one or two or three or four times where they weren't keen. But we just give them a mouthful. Try it one more time. I still don't like it. Okay, that's fine. Try it again. We've tried it. We've cooked it a different way. Oh, it's not so bad now. Mm-hmm. And then the next time, oh, can I have some sweet potato? My daughter, for example, she's she loves salmon. Does she? She hated fish yeah. up until last year. She'd never tried salmon. I had some salmon on my plate. We went out for a meal one time. Let me try a bit of that. She was adventurous. Mm-hmm. She's like, fuck. Yeah. Because salmon's great because it's nutrient dense and it's got high fat. Yeah. It's got loads of flavor. And she's like, I want me more of that. Yeah, yeah. She has salmon twice a week now. She Brilliant. loves it. Yeah. I wouldn't have had, I can't remember I, yeah. when I first had salmon, but it wasn't at fucking eight yeah. or six. You know, yeah. it wasn't. I think as a kid, you make your mind up before you actually know whether you do actually like it or not. Um, I remember when I first tried salmon, I was, strangely enough, I was, at, I was at a market. My dad was running a stall at a market randomly on a Saturday and he was selling smoked salmon. And I was like, I don't like salmon, I don't like the smell of it, I don't like the look of it. But I was hungry and didn't have anything with me for the day. And I was like, you know what, I'm just, it's, it's on the stool and... I'm standing there. I was like, I'm going to have a little bit. And I tried it and I had a little bit more. And actually, I started to really enjoy it. And I'd made my mind up beforehand, but then I started to eat it more and more. Now, I absolutely love salmon. It's probably my favorite fish. Yeah. But before, I didn't like it. It's not because I didn't like it. It's because I had made my mind up. And I think kids do that a lot. Um, and obviously, um, your daughter started eating off your plate and then just thought, actually, this is quite nice. So I think that's a, I think that's a top tip in its own right, which is you have to persevere with healthy yeah. foods. Um, one, try and get the right selection of them uh, in terms of where they're sourced, but give, keep persevere, keep, yeah. keep going because most of these foods 100%. do taste good, but yeah. you've got to like you've got to reprogram your taste buds a yeah, little bit. For sure. Um, okay, so that's what's going on in terms of like the rehab plan. Then. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.